Tonight, we present to you the 39 stairs. <laughs> what? This is a podcast. Look it up. Where we play Dungeons and Dragons the with each other. 39 stairs. But after Jeffrey comes up with the intro. Episode. The 39 stairs. 12. Look it up. Look it up, everybody. 39 stairs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Make Believe Heroes, an actual play, 5th edition, all-ages Dungeons & Dragons adventure. I am your host and master of dungeons, and my name is Paul. I'm joined tonight by my four friends and players. Hey, guys, this is Jeremy, and I play Satsaris. I'm Jeffrey, and I play Kjorg. I'm Alan, and I play Brackle. I am Felicia, and I play Misk. Misk. And we're almost ready to go to a party in Sylvondale. We're at a party. We're at a party. What are you talking about, boy? We're in that party. We are the party. But before we actually do that, I have to roll this 20-sided dice. No, last time it was just... I'm going to roll three 20-sided dice. It's a 14. It's better than a 20. I got two 18s and a 17. You rolled that 20, and guess what? No combat. <laughs> no combat. Oh. Don't you worry your pretty little head. Oh, I just rolled a 20. We probably all got 19. poisoned. Oh, he said you were pretty. That's sweet. So last time, our party settled into the tower, Sylvondale. They met Quentin, the caretaker of the tower. He treated them to a fancy meal. They had some time to speak, gather themselves. And then they went to a set of guest rooms prepared especially for them. To the point that each room was specifically designed to be exactly what each of them would like the room to be. Strangely enough, Georg with a training room, Misk with a very comfortable four-post bed, Saul with a dark room with a large fire that he could stand in just like he used to back home, and Brackle with a simple hammock. But after a time, Quentin rejoined them in the room after some rest and invited them to join him at a ball, a party of sorts, here in Sylvondale, held in the ballroom just down the hall. And so they dressed themselves in the nicest clothes that they could find and went down to the ballroom in fancy dresses, suits, tuxes, the works. Gold pants. And they entered to find many people dancing around, drinking, eating, and being merry. But Saul noticed, looking around, perhaps wondering if there might be any other tieflings around that have made their way up from the Nine Hells. He realized something strange. Every face, every man and woman at this party was human. Saul is going to... He's going to try to walk close to Misk so he can point that out in a quick whisper. Okay. She's across the ballroom up by the stage where a band is playing. Okay. Well, he, he's not hes not like in a panic or freaking out about it real hard. He's just going to head in that general direction and he's looking for the most beautiful woman in the room. Somebody who's obviously not on another man's arm necessarily, unless that's the only option. No, I mean, there's plenty of people around here. It shouldn't be too difficult for Saul to find someone who looks single. Single, blonde, green-eyed, beautiful. Okay. Uh, roll me a perception check. That's a perception check for blonde? Nah, just single, beautiful. I got a 14 on the dice. Yes, you see a beautiful, tall, blonde-haired girl with green eyes. 
She's standing pretty close toward the other end of the ballroom, uh, sipping from a glass and listening to the band play. Saul walks up to her. Evening, my lady. May I inquire your name? I am Satsaris of the Nine Hills. Uh, hello. Of the Nine Hills, you say? Yes. And who are you? My name is Sophia. I'm... Sophia. What a, what a beautiful name, Sophia. Where are you from? I'm from, well, originally I'm from Barlin's Pass. It's a city not too far from here. Barlin's Pass. Never heard of it. Oh. Well, I mean, I guess if you're coming from, you say the Nine Hills. When you say that, do you mean literally the Nine Hills? Literally the Nine Hills. Uh, we were on the fourth circle, I believe. Maybe the fifth. It changes quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> I see. Anyway, how about a drink? How about a dance? Oh, well, I I already have a drink. Um, roll me a persuasion check. It's a 14 on the dice, and my persuasion is a plus 5, so that's a 19. Okay, that is sufficient. All right, um, sure, why not? And she sits her glass down on a table and extends her hand. He will sit down his glass and give a slight bow and take her hand and, I guess, go into some form of a waltz. Okay. Uh, roll me a performance check. That's a 16 on the dice. I'm doing good, though. Yeah. Your performance probably isn't bad either. That's a plus three. Okay. So you're doing quite a good job. She's not a great dancer. <laughs> she's uh, sort of stumbling a little bit, but she's following your lead. And the longer that the two of you dance, the more confident she begins to feel because your confidence is sort of radiating into her. You see, my dear, you... A little quicker on that back step. Oh, yes. And, uh, you're doing excellent. So, are your friends here? Are they all from Arlen's Pass? Oh, well, we're from all around different places, I think. I do have some friends here from Barlin's Pass. How did you come to be here tonight? Oh, well, I'm actually, I'm staying here right now. Staying here? Yes. For work, pleasure, entertainment, perhaps? The food is excellent. Yes, all of the above, you might say. I'm actually helping with the organization of the libraries. The libraries? Yes, yes, the master of the tower. He has gathered the most interesting and exotic collection of books from all over Manumi. Has he? He has indeed. Is he powerful? Was he a human like you, or perhaps a tiefling? <laughs> oh, well, you're actually the first tiefling I've ever met. Ha. Well, you're lucky you've come across one of the best of them. Lucky you. <laughs> As they dance, he's going to continually get closer and closer to Misk. Okay. Sophia, you must you must meet my sister. Oh, uh, of course. I would I'm sure. I'd like meeting new people. Oh, come with me. And he takes her arm and walks straight up to Misk. Misk, what are you doing? So, as soon as I got in there, mm -hmm. I walk up to the music and I'm just really into it. I, don't, I didn't notice anybody around me. It was mm -hmm. just like it was me and the music. And mm -hmm. I just closed my eyes and just took it all in. Like I'm really in my own little world yep, over there right. listening to that music. Yeah, It's very pretty classical type music. It's got your standard array of musicians up on the platform and they're doing a very, very good job. You can tell that they're professionals. And you're probably watching, maybe taking note of how the violinist is playing and how the percussion is working and every little thing. And after, you know, some time passes, Saul comes waltzing up. Literally. With a young woman on his arm. Misk, Misk, you have to meet 
my dance companion, Sophia. Sophia, this is my sister, Miss. Sophia! Miss, you're only the second tiefling she's ever met. There's only four oddities in this room, if you haven't noticed. I'll go get our drinks. I'll be right back. And he leaves Sophia there with Misk. Oddities? What do you think he means, oddities? Well, I mean, uh, you know, if I'm the only... If I'm the second tiefling you've met, then, you know. And then Miss kind of, I don't know, looks back at the music, but as she's kind of trying not to be so obviously just shook up for a second because what Saul mm-hmm. said. I'm all shook up. Uh-huh. She kind of uh-huh. glances around and notices what Saul's talking about. Yeah, you look around and you do notice that everyone's human. So do you come here a lot? or you come here often? Oh, I'm actually, uh, I'm living here currently. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, I was telling your brother Yeah. that uh, I, I've moved here recently helping we're sorting and going through um, some books that the Master of the Tower has collected. He's setting up his own libraries on the fourth and fifth floors of the tower. Oh, really? Yes. Well, I'm hoping to meet the Master very soon. I I hear great things about him. Yes, he he's quite a magnificent man. You think he'll show up tonight? Oh, he doesn't miss much opportunity to make an entrance. Oh, wow. Well... I'm excited to get to know him a little. And Miss kind of doesn't just ignore, but kind of turns toward the music, Mm -hmm. you know, get back to what she was doing. Saul comes back and, oh, Miss, I brought you a drink and hands her a tall glass of bourbon. And the same to the girl, Sophia. Oh, thanks, Saul. And Miss literally like turns around and sets it down on some tray that comes by. (laughs) Like she don't even (laughs) drink it. Sophia, I top shelf for you. Oh, thank you. Perhaps we can talk more later. Uh, yes, perhaps we can. I would like to meet some of your friends. Oh, sure. I'd be glad to introduce you to anyone that I know here in the tower. It was a pleasure dancing with you. And he gives a slight bow and he's going to go find another woman. She gives a little curtsy and you wander off. Brackle. Yes. What are you doing? I'm still posted up at a place in the room, kind of along the wall, where I can see most of the room and easily swivel if I need to, sipping on the same glass of whiskey from before. And so then after that, I'm like looking around trying to see if I can figure anything out, like who are these people and what are they doing here? And is anybody acting suspicious and anybody acting odd? All right, give me a perception check. Actually, I rolled an 11, but if I add my perception to that, it's a 15. You look around and, you know, you're sort of keeping an eye out for suspicious activity, anything that seems out of place. And it, it genuinely seems like a room full of people that are just having fun, eating dinner, dancing, just, you know, enjoying the company. But you do notice after a minute, especially as you see Saul walking through the crowd, his horns and his black hair and his red skin, he sort of sticks out. And it's about that time that you realize all these people are human. So Brackle's abruptly jerks up and says, all these people are human. <laughs> Loudly. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, so Brackle takes note of that. Although, I mean, Branchire, isn't that mostly human and maybe some halflings? Yeah, human and halflings, but it does stand out. Okay. What's Kjorg doing? I found some party games. Okay. We're playing Yahtzee. Ooh. Okay. you just rolling dice. Oh, jeez. He just Yahtzee! wanted to roll dice. <laughs> and scream Yahtzee. Spaghetti. Uh, oh my god! Brackle walks up and say, "Does anybody have apples to apples?" No. Yes. 
You're playing a dice game over there, Kjork. Me and Juniper are playing Yahtzee. Okay, who's winning? I got a full house. Did you really? I did. And of course, I'm winning because I'm the champion. So did you roll like a d20, and if you got a certain amount, you rolled a full house, or did you actually roll d6s to see if you get a full house? I was rolling a bunch of d6s. I rolled d6s. That makes sense. Wow, Kjork, you're uh, really good at this dice game. What do you say that it's called again? Yahtzee! Oh, goodness. Wow. Did you make this game up? I did. Oh, my gosh. I'm the gosh. inventor. You're the inventor. Can we have a different name besides, you know, the trademarked one? It's Hatsi. 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 What does that mean? It means woodpecker in Orkish. Oh, I see. Interesting. Okay. I don't really see the connection, but whatever you say. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, I was thinking um, maybe... Would you, uh, would you want to, like, maybe, would you want to, uh, <clears throat> is it hot in here? Um, I'm always hot. Would you want to, would you want That's why I don't wear sleeves. Would you, uh, uh want to dance? Dance? How do you do that? I. You gonna show me how? Y- um, yes. Okay. Not sure how this is gonna work, but okay. Okay. <laughs> so, Juniper reaches up and takes you by the hand and she leads you out onto the dance floor and then very awkwardly she sort of tries to show you how to dance and anyone that watches of which there are many because a lot of people just stop to watch because it is so awkward seeing one like six foot seven half orc trying to learn how to dance by the teachings of a three foot tall gnome so it it is very awkward but the two of you do manage to sort of dance she is blushing the whole time I don't know how to blush. Of course not. But the two of you awkwardly sort of dance for a little while, and it's it's very, you know, Swedish, I guess. Not Swedish like from Sweden, <laughs> but sweet-ish. Like very Swedish. The cheese with the hole in it? No. That's <laughs> um, Swiss. So, yeah, that happens. So, you know, this, this party, it goes on. This party continues on into the night. I'm assuming Saul's just going around from person to person getting dance partners. He is just gathering information. He's just dancing with as many different women as he can. He probably cuts in on a couple of the guys and just like, oh, excuse me, peasant, and just <laughs> takes the woman for a spin and she'll go. And Yeah. I would say in spite of your high charisma, you managed to tick off about the same number of people that you managed to sort of win over. And you learn some about the goings-on of the tower, you know, how things go. People from around different places all over Monumi, some from Brightport, some from Branshire, some from Barlins Pass, some from small villages north and south of here, all human. And it is an interesting sort of phenomenon. The band plays on, the food flows freely, and then, all of a sudden, a song ends. Chatsi! You hear Kjord yell, Chatsi! from across and some people clap and cheer and the orchestra stops playing and you all begin to hear the soft tones of a piano the lights dim and focus up on the stage and everyone sort of stops and looks up there and there is a sleek black piano that is on the stage there beside where the band was playing And there's a figure sitting on the bench, and he is playing a song. It is beautiful, a little bit somber, 
and he begins to sing. There was a time so long ago I now can scarce recall When gods and kings ruled o'er the lands From upon the mountains tall And ended last of darkest rain Hope on every tongue An age begins of life anew The stars burn brighter, the oceans deeper, creation sang their song. But the broken heart of one lost soul would birth a world of wrong. In the halls of elves she found a home Alone and unprepared For how the kindness of a single soul Could overcome her purpose there The ages passed before the two Soon they became as one But their love could never be complete with her truth to him unknown. A daughter filled with a God's ambition, but the heart can no one tame. In his arms confessed her truest form, her mission and her name. Shapeless she before had been, but in love she'd taken form A life with him, her heart's desire She would be her eyes no more But it was not to be The wrath of a goddess scorned Brought an end she could not bear Her tears fell upon the ground Her prayers they would not hear Her forever love was gone Taken from her side and to her sorrow she succumbed, her only wish denied. And so we sing her song of loss, a tale that all should hear. To live and love and not look back, but the gods to always fear. You're all a little enchanted by the somber tune that he sings. It speaks of memory and things long past. As you're all watching, you notice that everyone 
in the entire room has stopped and is just listening, just enthralled by the music as this figure is playing and singing this beautiful and haunting song. Saul falls in love with him. And everyone just begins to clap. No cheering and hooping and hollering. It is just a very respectful and very reverent clap as the man stands, gives a slight bow, and exits the stage. That was beautiful. Misk is like freaking out. Saul heads his direction. Saul, you go to press through the crowd, but now everyone is sort of pinched in and it's hard for you to get through. And everyone is turning and they seem to be heading toward the exit of the ballroom. And it sort of seems like, well, that's it. That's the end of the night. You're trying to press through, trying to press through, but the crowd's so thick and everyone's heading in the opposite direction that by the time you can get over toward the stage, the only people that you see present is the original band that was playing as they're putting their instruments away and clearing off the stage. Excuse me, peasant, there. You, come here. Where did the piano player go? Are you you, you talking to me? Yes. Where'd the piano player go? Well, that was the master. He's, uh... He's, he's gone off probably to his quarters upstairs. Oh, point the direction. Uh, just go outside here and head up the stairs. Thank you, sir. No problem. I appreciate one who answers nobility correctly, and he gives you a slight nod and turns to get misc. He looks a little bit confused by that, but he just, you know, gives a nod. <laughs> okay, you turn to go find misc. Where are Brackle and Cure? What are y'all doing? What, what, what's... So Brackle kind of saunters through the crowd... Uh, not trying to fight them, just kind of going with the flow, trying to blend in, trying to listen. He's not talking to anybody. He's just trying to listen to see if he can figure out who that was or what, what's being said about what just happened and what's expected to happen now. He's not sure if they're they're going back to their quarters or if there's an after party. Okay. Uh, roll me a perception check. Is that a 20? Alan. <laughs> Actually, I rolled a 19, plus 4 is 23. (laughs) That's really good. So you're sort of going with the crowd, but trying to get a look around, trying to listen in as people are talking. And before people were talking out loud, laughing, you know, it was just kind of a boisterous sort of atmosphere. But now things have quietened down, and people, as they're making their way toward the door, they're talking excitedly, but uh, with their voices lowered. And you do hear some people talking here and there like, wow, he never ceases to impress me. Maybe one day I'll be as talented as he is. No. That had to be his best song yet, and things like that. Man, I just, I love living here, don't you? Brackle says, I don't live here. No, I'm kidding. So Brackle takes that in, and it's like, okay, so uh, apparently that's somebody well-known around here. You're pretty sure once or twice you hear someone refer to him as the master. The master, and Brackle thinks, the master of what? Are these his slaves? No, Brackle is wondering, okay, so does he have an, has he been able to ascertain where everybody's headed now? Are they kind of going in the same direction? Or are they going off on their own? Yeah, they're heading the same direction. They're all headed toward the door that you all came in and then dispersing. Outside the tower or? Within the tower. Okay, so Brackle just kind of follows along through that way. Okay, you follow along and you might even stop and ask someone as you go along and you know that the next floor up is filled with living quarters. And you know that basically this floor and the next floor have all kinds of like little apartments and little rooms for everyone to stay in. So they're all living quarters? There aren't any like living dimes or nickels? Nope, just quarters. Okay. Mm. So Brackle kind of thinks, well, I guess, uh, does he seem Monsieur Fellow, that guy who was like 
Quentin? You gave him a bath. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you didn't give him a bath. You see Quentin anyway. Yeah, you see Quentin. Okay, so Brackle approaches Quentin. So that was the master? Oh, yes, that was the master of the tower. Ah, he I has see. returned. As I said, he does love to make an entrance. Indeed, that was quite an entrance. Uh, so will he be seeing us tonight, or should we wait till the morning? Uh, I honestly can't say for sure. Um, I, he will most certainly come to you when he is ready. Okay, so where should I go now? Well, I suppose it'd be best for you to wait in your rooms, the five of you. The master is a bit of an eccentric man. He does, well, he walks, you could say, to the beat of his own drum, if I can use the expression. I thought he played a piano, and does he play a drum, too? <laughs> well, I, I have no doubt if he were to pick one up, he could certainly play it as well as any, but yes, you're right, he is partial to the piano and quite good at it. Indeed, he was. Is there anything that you or your friends might require before you are to retire? Are we all there together? No, this is just Brackle talking to him. Okay. I can't speak for them. Uh, I am quite content with my quarters, so... I think I shall retire there. Thanks for the drinks and entertainment. Of course, of course. And if you were to need anything, just feel free to ask. And I will I will send word to the master of the tower, and hopefully he will come and see you in the next few moments. If he does not, then don't wait up. I'm, I'm certain, as I said, that when he's ready, he will come and find you. Well, I shall wait. Thank you for the information. And then Brackle disappears whenever he looks another way. It's like the, the guy... It's like Batman. No, oh, yeah, we got it. So the way Brackle does it is the guy look, waits on him to look, and he hides nearby while the guy's still talking to him. And then whenever the guy turns around okay. and sees that Brackle's no longer there, but he's still talking to him, Brackle does it. Yes! <laughs> like behind a curtain Thank or you. something. Oh, goodness. What, where'd he go? He's, um, he's gone. And then okay. as right. after that, he's like, I'm right here! Where's Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have to. Uh, I'm not wearing occupants. <laughs> we almost made it. Uh, I had to make it happen. Okay. Quentin is standing near the doorway, so as each of you head toward the door, you will see him there. Ah, Misk, let's stop here. Where's the hot chocolate? Hot chocolate. I, I believe we could probably procure some hot chocolate, if you'd like. How about you give me an audience with the master? Oh, well, see... Sotsaris, I'm afraid that's something I, I can't give you, the master. He, but he does want to speak with you. He has invited you here himself. He wants to speak with you. He'll meet you there in your room. I actually was just speaking with Brackle here. I'm, I'm going to see if I can find him, and if I can, I'll, I'll let you know what he says. But he walks his own way. I'm sure that he will find you when he is ready. I'm sure that he will tonight, and Saul walks off. Goodness. He's rude. Yes, Kjorgi, I've noticed that. But, well, you know, we're all different. Is there anything that the three of you, he says, speaking to Misk, Kjorg, and Juniper, is there anything that the three of you would require tonight before mm. you head to your rooms? I think uh, Kjorg needs some Dragonade tonight. <laughs> oh, I thought and... he wanted some hot chocolate. Which is it? Well, he does, but I always make him try to drink some, you know, especially when it's available in... I Thanks, want him to. <laughs> no, but you can bring him the hot chocolate. I'll have um, some orange juice. Juniper's never tried hot chocolate. Yeah, I, I would love to have some hot chocolate. She says with the arm. 
looped into Kjorg's arm. Ooh. Oh. Looking up, all googly-eyed. Can you feel the love tonight? Well, I will see about getting some hot chocolate for you all. And as I was telling your friend Brackle and Satsaris, if you would like to retire to your rooms, I'm sure the master will come and find you whenever he is ready. The peace the evening brings. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you all head through the hallway. It's crowded. There are a lot of people filtering out still from the ballroom, and you head back to your suite. The moment that you enter in, there is a tray seated on the coffee table holding orange juice, hot chocolate, and anything else that you might want. Some little biscuits, nice. as they call them. Cookies. Tarts. Hearts. Mm. Heart-shaped cookies. I'm going to go... To bed. Eat, drink, and be merry. Okay. Well, Kjorg and Juniper, you kids have fun. I'm going to bed. Brackle takes a single cookie and a cup of hot chocolate. I don't think we need to go to bed. What? I think we wait, we give the master a chance, and if he is not here within an hour, we head to his quarters. Hmm. Yeah, but I got a really big, fluffy bed and awesome... I really want to sleep. Well, have a nap, but I'll be waking you shortly. I'm going to drink some orange juice and lay down for a little bit, and you just just holler at me. Okay, Miss goes and lies down on her fluffy bed, closes the door, drinks her juice, and goes to sleep. Saul goes and stands in the fire. Kjork drinks his hot chocolate. Mm. It's good. You down your hot chocolate in one big gulp, and she takes a sip of hers. This is delicious. I've never had anything like this. I invented it. <laughs> wow, really? You, you're, man, you're so smart, Kjork. Just kidding, I didn't invent it. Oh. Oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, you invented Hatsi, so. I did invent that. Yeah. I had, uh, I had a lot of fun tonight playing the game and, you know, dancing and stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, uh, I am pretty tired. I guess I'm going to go to bed, especially if the master might show up, talk to us. Good idea. I need more practice fighting anyway. All right, well, uh, I'll, um, I'll see you in the morning, Kjorg. Good night. She sets her cup of hot chocolate down, kind of looks back at you for a minute, grins, and then goes to her room. I chug the hot chocolate. <laughs> Miss leans out the door and says, can you feel... Brackle. Yes. What are you doing during the sun? I took my cookie and my hot chocolate and went to my room and sat upon the hammock. And I dipped the cookie in the hot chocolate and nibbled on it very gingerly. So everyone except for Saul goes to sleep, right? No, I'm working out. Okay. I went to sleep. I'm lying there. If it gets too late, I might fall asleep. But uh, I'm going to wait at least a couple hours. Like, How late would you say it is? pretty late um i mean you guys were at the party for a few hours you're not really sure exactly what time it is but you know that it's definitely deep into the night Kjorg, you go in there and you're working out and you know you're trying out all the different weapons you get nice and sweaty you know you break a lot of those dummies and they just keep popping back up and after a while you start to feel pretty tired and so you sit down just to take a rest for just a few moments brackle you're leaning back dipping your cookie, drinking your hot chocolate, pretty comfortable, thinking, I'm going to stay awake. But after a while, you start to feel really, really tired and sleepy. 
and without really thinking, you do start to nod off a little bit. Misk, you go right to sleep, engulfed in a cloud of fluffy pillows. Saul, you stand in the fire. Mm-hmm. It's warm. Mm-hmm. It feels like home. You're having some conflicting feelings in this moment. Okay. Because it feels so good to just be back in your element. It does feel good. It feels empowering. But it doesn't feel the same. Okay. The longer you stand there, the more you actually start to think, I kind of just want to lay down, have a drink, maybe eat a bite, a nightcap. And you start to almost get bored with the fire. It's like it just doesn't have the same, I don't know, it's not the same. It's like something's changed. He uh, lights his cigar, takes a big draw off of it, steps out of the fire, paces back and forth in the room for a minute, looks at the fire, looks at the bed, goes and sits cross-legged in the middle of the bed. And so you do. You sit there cross-legged in the middle of the bed thinking while your friends wander off towards sleep. You're listening to Make Believe Heroes. Welcome back. We hope that you're enjoying this, episode 12. We worked really hard on this episode, and hopefully you all enjoyed the song of this mysterious master of the tower. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it, so if you did like it, or if you are interested in hearing it some more, we are going to make it available for listeners to get a hold of as an MP3, so that you can listen to it again at your leisure. It is... A pretty cool story, I think. It tells an interesting story about a special character from the world of Monomi. I'm curious to see who you all think that character might be. Anyhow, back to business, as they say. We are having another giveaway this month. That's right. You heard it. We are giving away a beautiful print of the poster for Season 1 that we've shown on Twitter. We've posted it on our website. If you'd like some more information about how you can win said poster... You can go to makebelieveheroes.com forward slash giveaways, or you can follow us on Twitter or on Facebook where we're constantly posting about these things. But all you need to do is email us or post on your favorite social media what your favorite scene or your favorite moment from Make Believe Heroes has been so far. It can be from any of the holiday specials, season one, season two, bonus episodes, anything. What has been your favorite moment or moments from the season? We've had some great responses so far, but I'm really anxious to get some more. So please get those into us via email or social media, and we will get you down for that giveaway, which we're going to draw for in just one more week. So you guys have seven more days to get that in. and Hopefully you can win yourself a beautiful poster from season one. We love it. It's gorgeous, you might say. I know we're not giving away any dice this month, and maybe you're thinking, I really wanted some new dice. If you were, you should go now to DiceNV.com. You can get 10% off of your order using the code HEROES at DiceNV.com. So if you're looking for a new beautiful set of metal dice, acrylic dice, what have you, go now and check them out at DiceNV.com. They just released their Kickstarter-funded D4s, and they are just awesome. Instead of the triangular pointy ones, they're called Infinity Dice, Infinity D4s. You should check them out. I've actually ordered three for myself. Go now to DiceMB.com, sign up for one of their monthly subscription services, or buy yourself a beautiful new set of dice using that code HEROES for 10% off. And while you're on the interwebs, why not swing by BattleBards.com, check out their wonderful selection of music. They actually just gave out a free album 
in celebration of the new year for BattleBards members. So you're missing out on some awesome things. Go create your account and you can get 15% off of a BattleBards Prime subscription with the code MBH podcast. So go do that right now. Stop what you're doing. Go and do that. Go now. Are you gone? As usual, we do have a couple of five-star reviews to read for you all. So first, let's read one from a few months back in October 2018. This one comes from Birdio. I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce this. B-R-D-Y-O-0827. Birdio-0827? Birdio? Birdio? Anyhow, this review is entitled M-B-H. That fits. So this is my first ever actual play D&D 5E podcast, and I'm kind of sort of obsessed. I love the story that plays. I love the players with all my heart, and I love their characters too. I believe that Paul, the DM, sets the mood very well for the listeners. And when I sit down for about an hour every week listening, I can picture and imagine Witch Bolt frying and electrocuting a lizard bat. Thank you guys for making my Mondays every week. It's a must, and I appreciate it. Number one for you. Thank you so much, Bertio. Thank you for the kind words. We hope that you're still enjoying it, and we're really excited for what's yet to come in Season 2. So many things coming. I can't wait for you guys to hear some of these new episodes that are coming your way. Uh, One more review before we get back to this week's episode and see what's going on in the tower. We have an updated review from Tordio. We read their review back in Episode 8, but this review has been updated as of January 5th. This is now titled, The Best D&D Podcast. This podcast is the best D&D podcast out there. They're clean, fun, funny, and care deeply about their fans. They always make me feel like I'm at the table with them. Tordio, that's exactly what we want to hear. We try very hard to make our listeners feel like you're a part of the community. We are thankful for each and every one of you that listens, and we definitely couldn't keep doing this without your support. So thank you all so much for the five-star reviews, for the help. If you want to help us out, follow us on Twitter at MBH Podcast. Interact with us on there. On Facebook at facebook.com forward slash MBH Podcast. Send us an email to letters at makebelieveheroes.com. Visit our website and, of course, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also leave reviews on Stitcher, but you have to go to the website to do that. You can't do it in the app, which is silly, Stitcher. Come on, Stitcher. Get, Get it together. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention, we are now on Spotify. So... That's cool. Anyhow, thanks so much for listening. Tell a friend, and let's get back to the adventure, shall we? Saul. Yeah. You're sitting cross-legged there on the bed. You don't ever really go to sleep. You do rest. You know, you're resting, Mm. waiting, getting anxious, and you're thinking... Maybe I should go look for this master fellow. Maybe I should... Saul's definitely thinking that. Right as you're kind of thinking, maybe I will. You hear a sound coming from outside of the door. You hear it coming from the... Common area? You hear it coming from like the common room of the suite. And it sounds like laughter. I narrow my eyes at the door and get out of bed and walk towards it. There's a golden light shining in around the door into your room. It's kind of bright. I'm just going to slowly and quietly open the door. You open the door very carefully, slowly, and you find that the suite's gone. I draw my sword and, like, lay it over my shoulder. You reach down for your sword, and your eyes are sort of... It's like almost like they're adjusting to what you're seeing. And on the other side of the door is, surprisingly, 
as you're reaching for your sword, a, a tavern. A tavern. It's like you just opened the front door into a tavern. And not just any tavern. In fact, it's the Barley Barrel. I set it on fire. <laughs> There's a halfling in the back left corner playing and singing a jovial little tune. The room is bustling with people. And when you step through the door, do you step through the door? Do I have my sword? You've got your sword on your hip. Do you pull it out? I pull it out and I like let it, like you know how you can lay it across your shoulders like casually, like it's out, but you're sure. not being threatening with it. Yeah. Yeah, like that. You do that, you step through the door, and as you do, many of the people here in the Barley Barrel, some faces you sort of maybe recognize from when you were in there before, men, women, halflings, they raise a glass in your direction, they give a little cheer. Oi, Saul, good to see you. One guy gets up, claps you on the back, and kind of leads you a little bit toward the bar, just a couple steps. He says, whatever he wants, it's on me. This tiefling saved my life, he did. Did I? I'm going to, like, look over my shoulder and see, can I still see my bedroom? The door's closed. You don't see your bedroom. You just see the door to the barley barrel. Mm. Did you? Of course you did. You remember? I don't know your name, peasant. I'll take a drink, though. Ah, <laughs> peasant. This guy and his jokes and people just laugh and clap you on the back and some of them are just like, so. He's confused. He tells more than one of them that claps on the back, don't touch me. They seem immune to your rudeness. Mm -hmm. They feel so comfortable with you. It's disconcerting. It's strange. It, it's like they've known you their whole life. All these people that are strangers to you. When he gets to the bar, he's immediately born there. Yeah. Boren. Oh, uh, hey, little Saul. How are you? Not well. What? What is the day? Uh, I believe it's a Saturday. Is the moon full? Not full. Uh, I don't think. I don't think it's full. A Saturday. Is is the festival still on? Oh. Uh, the festival of the rising sun. What other festivals do you do? I don't know. Oh, you're right. No, no, that months pass now. Months. Would you like a drink, Saul? You seem a little. Well, it's kind of funny to say, but you look a little pale. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a drink. What about Brianna? Brianna. And as he says that, you hear a cheer from over behind you, and you glance back, and you see a table there in the middle of the inn, and seated around the table are Kjorg, Misk, and Brackle. Misk is kind of waving you over. I'm still keeping my sword in my hand. Here, why don't you take this drink and have a seat? He does take the drink. Okay. And he drinks all of it and sets it back down and walks towards the table. You begin walking toward the table. It's the same table there toward the middle back where the four of you sort of met just a few days ago. And they're all sitting around the table. Brackle is speaking to a pretty young blonde woman. She's wearing one of the Barley Barrel's aprons. She's smiling at him. She leans down and kisses Brackle on the cheek, actually before heading back toward the kitchens. As she heads back towards the kitchens, I just kind of ask, are you mad? And I look at Brackle, and I look at her, and I look at Misk, and, Misk, where are we? What is happening? She looks at you, gives you a little right, wink as she on, stands up and begins to beckon to the crowd, asking for anybody else who might be willing to give Kjorg a challenge in an arm wrestling match. You can see that he's there just arm wrestling this guy, and now he's flexing, and there's different people kind of grinning around and smiling. And as you're seeing that and you're you're trying to get anyone to basically give you the time of day, yep. you notice something out the corner of your eye. What is it? There's a window. And it's dark outside, probably dusk-ish. But you can just make out a figure, and the moment that your eye catches it, you snap your attention to it as you see something that you would never, ever have expected to see. Here of all places. You see, standing there... Your father. Out the window? 
large, powerful, just like you remember him. He's leaning down, looking in the window of the barley barrel. He gives you a sneering grin and then turns and walks away from the window. Misk, we must go now. And he, like, overturns a chair. You're all in danger. Everyone run. They all just kind of laugh and clap you on the back. Oh, Saul, your jokes. <laughs> My jokes, you'll all die. Come on, Misk, father's here. And he's headed towards the door. Misk stands up on her chair and yells out, Another round for the bar! People cheer as they're just sending drinks around and everyone's singing and having a good time. He's running towards the door, but when Misk doesn't react, mm -hmm. he's going to grab the nearest person uh -huh. and he's going to spin him around and lay his sword across their throat. This has to be a trick. Come out! What is happening? And he's screaming at Misk, trying to get her attention, showing that he's about to hurt someone. She stops and looks at you like, Saul, what are you doing? Father is outside. What? Father? Saul, I think you've had too much to drink. You're a fool. And he pushes the man. Mm -hmm. Just slings him down into the floor and runs for the door. They're all kind of staring at you a little confusedly as you run out the door, but the door shuts behind you and you look around just in time to see as someone cuts around the corner to the left side of the barrel. He's going to go look. He's going to walk. He's going to keep his sword out. His sword's going to be in his one hand and dagger in the other. And he's going to head that way. You step around the corner, and there, on the other side of the barley barrel, leaning against the wooden wall of the building, is your father. His skin, fiery red, naked from the waist up, save for a black leather strap holding a wicked sword hilt. Well, well, well. It would appear that my son, Satsaris, Prince of the Nine Hells, has become domesticated. Saul slowly takes a knee. Father, Serastus, it's... There's no reason to be here. The, the armies, there's no value in this place. These people are weak. I'm not domesticated. I'll have a throne here, you'll see. Hmm. Well, it seemed to me as though... They were all chanting your name like a friend, clapping you on the back, offering you drinks, playing games. They haven't learned to fear me yet. You'll see. Fear you? They should tremble when you walk through the door, Saul. But instead, they, what, drink and eat, they, they, be merry? They try. This, this place is different. That's enough, Saul. You can't fool me. You never could. You left the hills for this, for a quaint little life of an adventurer. Quaint. Who's to say I won't rule this world? I am. Were I to enter this realm, I would have it on its knees within a fortnight. I don't... I've done enough of that. Have you? I have. You've walked away from what? This is what you wanted, isn't it? To have friends. To experience adventure. To see what lays beyond the abyss. And now you have. What do you think, Saul? What do you think of this mortal realm? Of its stench? It stinks, but it's not. It's not like home. There's no reason for you to be here. You don't... You have no home. <laughs> I'll make my home. That's right. You'll make this your home, won't you, Saul? Perhaps... You paid a great cost to come here, didn't you? I experienced everything Hell had to offer. 
did you? I found it wanting, Father. And how do you find this? With its singing and its playing and wives and husbands and children. You want to have little tiefling babies, Saul? I guess I'm here because I don't know. What of what awaits you? He says. He steps up closer, and he's... And he's big. As big as you remember him. That's not good. What of the void, Saul? What of it? Suddenly everything around you turns to utter darkness. A darkness so thick you can feel it. Cold on your skin. You don't see your father. You don't see the sun setting. You don't feel the wind on your skin. You don't see your skin. You see nothing. All you feel is thick darkness and a chill. Let me out. 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 You try to speak. No sound comes out. You try to move, but you register no feeling of movement. There's only a black blankness all around you. And moments pass that feel like days. And then suddenly, out from the void, comes a voice, clear, sharp, powerful. What will you do? said Saurus. The moment approaches when you will be forced to choose between helping others or helping yourself. And when that moment comes, when that opportunity raises its head, what will you do, Saul? You are asleep. You've nodded off just a little there on your hammock. And you awake and you think, oh, goodness, have I, have I fell asleep? How long have I been asleep? But you notice that there's a strange light shining through the doorway. It's kind of a flickery orange light. I hide under the covers. Okay. That's my whole deal. And you pass the night uneventfully. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, I go investigate the light. As you step toward the door, you hear a familiar sound. It's the sound of a fire crackling. You open the door. I open the door. You open the door, and looking out through the doorway, you find that the scenery has changed drastically. Rather than the luxurious suite that was here the night before, you find yourself in a very familiar place. The familiar, worn, wooden walls of your cabin glow a reddish brown in the light of the burning hearth. Wow. Smell of venison stew fills the room. Yeah, it does. And you see a figure leaned over the fireplace, stirring a large black pot. Is it Pete? She leans over and glances sideways at you as you step in through the door. It's Lelia. Oh, hey, Lelia. Oh, hello, dear. I, I didn't expect you back so soon. No luck on the hunt? She says, whispering. I was just asleep. I wasn't hunting. Or is this a dream? The stew's not quite ready but it won't be long. I'm sure you're starving. She walks over to you. I just ate. She wraps her arms around your waist. I go, whoa. She tiptoes up for a kiss. I lick her nose. (laughs) Uh, I think I see what's going on here, and I kiss her. She kisses you back. 
nothing crazy or passionate, just a, you know, wholesome kiss. So no no luck with the hunt? Uh, no. No luck with the hunt. Uh, I mean, I was just asleep, but okay. <laughs> asleep outside? She looks toward the door. No, in the hammock, uh, in the tower, with the silver. Are you okay, Brackle? No, but have I ever been? <laughs> well, I mean, like right now, you look, you look weird. Are, are you okay? Uh, yeah, I'm okay. Uh, at that moment, you hear a, a weird sort of shrill noise, and she says, "Oh, you've woken him." Who? And she steps over to the side, and there inside the house, over on the bed that you usually sleep on, there's a little bundle moving around. Brackle runs. She goes over and she picks him up, and she's got a little baby. Go back to sleep, Peter. It's okay. Peter, like my father. Well, yes, you named him. I didn't name him. I would have called him something like Barry, because I love berries. You did, Brackle. You named him. We talked about this. I told you Barry was off the table. But we're... No, there's berries. I always keep my berries on the table when I dry them. Brackle, please. She rocks the baby for a moment, and he goes right back to sleeping almost immediately, and she lies him back down, and she steps over toward the stew again. I think it's probably done well enough. Would you like some? Uh, Of course. She steps over to the table. She ladles out some into a couple of small wooden bowls, and she sits down. I eat. You begin eating the stew. It's delicious. Tastes like home. This is good. Thank you. Brackle. Yes? Tell me, Brackle Zinyeltius. Me? Is this what you want? Is Lelia asking or is somebody else asking? You can have it, you know. You can have Lelia, this cabin in the woods, a son. But you can't have it without cost, Brackle. Lelia, this is getting weird. Tell me, what price are you willing to pay to save your city? Whatever it takes. Mm, The cabin changes around you. Changes into a blackened, burned ruin. The forest all around the shambles of your once cabin is dead and dry. You can have this home, Brackle. You can have your cabin and your wife and your son, a quiet life. But this is what awaits Brackle. This, she says, now standing in the center of all this, waving her hand toward the burnt destruction. Death, Brackle. Destitution. Branshire will burn. Brackle stands up. No, not if I can help it. Standing in the center of the ruins of your home, she turns toward you again. Her eyes glow silver white. Then what will you do, Brackle? I will fight. I will stop whatever it is that's threatening, whether it's the hot feet or the mare or something else I don't know about. Whatever it takes. Let's hope. And as she speaks, the floor drops out from under you. It just disappears. And you fall, Brackle. Hundred feet in the darkness. 
you're falling and you're falling and you fall into clouds of silver mist. Kjord, you take a break from your workout. You have a seat, a little chair there, wiping your sweat off, and you kind of lay your head back, and you start to drift off a little bit. But before you can really sink into a good sleep, you hear a loud sound. It's the sound of weapons clanging together, and it jerks you awake. A warm orange light is spilling out from around the door on the other side of your room. What do you do? I bust the door down, weapon in hand. Okay, what weapon? My flail that I picked up. Okay, you hop up running toward the door. You let out a little yell as you bust through with your weapon in hand. <laughs> and as you come out the door, there's no sweet. What? You don't see the comfy couches or any of that stuff. You don't see the ornate room. You step out of your room into the wilderness. What? You know this place like the back of your hands. You're back in the drylands, York. Ah. It's your village. Home of the Roraguk clan. Aha. Uh-huh. And right before you, there's the large fire pit in the center of the village where the clan has lived for many years. And there are two half-orcs sparring by the fire pit. No one else seems to be around. Their weapons are crashing together as they advance forward and backward and fight magnificently. You recognize the two of them immediately. It's your chief, your captain, Fang. And the other one, that quiet, massive beast of a half-orc, Grip, his right hand. They're locked in combat, Fang swinging his great axe, Grip with his gigantic maul, their combination of ferocity and strength truly a thing of beauty. After a time, their little sparring match, their fight ends. They grasp one another by the forearm in a sign of respect. Grip slings his maul over his shoulder and heads off toward his hut nearby. Fang wipes the sweat from his brow, picking at one of his prominent tusks, and turns your way. Well, hello there, Kyog. You learn anything from that? Huh? I said you learn anything from that. From what? From that fight just now between myself and Grip. Did you learn anything? Uh, you guys are weak. (laughs) You always did tell the best jokes, didn't you, Kyog? (laughs) Of course. Where have you been all this time? Uh, 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 a lot of places? Uh, I heard you were down in Brightport doing some fights. Is that true? Yeah. You win some fights? All of them. Did you make any gold? All of it. Did you get your fence yet? No, not yet. Uh, no doubt you're probably getting pretty close though, aren't you? Very close. I'm working on it right now, actually. But wait, why, why am I here right now? What you mean? I was just somewhere else. We're always somewhere else before we're here, aren't we? Um, yeah. Right, well... That's the that's the thing, Kyog. We're, we're here together now, and uh, I've heard great things about your deeds, Kyog. Is it true? Been running around the land just proving yourself being the, the people's champion, I believe is what they're calling you. Is that right? Yeah. I am the people's champion. Oh, the people's champion. That's right. I'd almost forgotten about that one. <laughs> so what sort of great things have you been doing, Kyog? What sort of great things have you been doing? I've just found all the strongest opponents and beat them. One every time? Every time. 
Every single time. Every single time. That's impressive. Any stories, uh, special ones you like to tell me? Anything specific? Uh, there was this one time, very arrogant tiefling just appeared out of nowhere. Really? Yeah. I've never seen a tiefling appear. It was supposed to be a, a fair fight with fists. Right, right. He pulled a weapon, oh. so I knocked him down and knocked him unconscious by kicking him in the groin. <laughs> wow. That sounds like some sort of show, Kyok. It was great. Man, I wish I'd have been there to see that, Kyok. Like I said, I've heard tale of the great deeds you've done. All that business back in Branchar. Great things. Yeah. I know you got your heart set on traveling the world, Kyok. Becoming the people's champion. But I'll wager that uh, you've probably already accomplished that. What do you think? Um, probably. Look, I'll not mince words with you, Kyok. I'm getting old. Yeah? I'm getting weaker. You're, you're, you're very old. And you're, you're already pretty weak, so. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I've got plenty of fight left in me. My time as chief of this tribe is closing. I need someone to take my place, Georg. I need someone to lead the Roragluk clan. Someone strong. Someone who will uphold our ways and lead our clan. I believe you're the one for the job, Georg. What about Grip? Uh, Grip, he's the same age as me. Slash. Yeah, he's too hot-headed. Thorn. Uh, he can't stay in one place long enough. He's not even here right now. They're great, great, great half-orcs. Great warriors. Couldn't ask for better ones. But what we need is the people's champion. Someone who can be really relied on. Honestly, Kyorg, what is it that you want? To be loved and lauded by all? You've had... You had everything taken from you when you were just a cub. You can have this, Kyorg. You can. You can be the chief... The Roraguk clan. Isn't that what you want? Respect? Renown? I don't know. You can have this, Kyorg. One day. You can. But, as in all things in life, it'll come with a cost. Fang motions his hands to the right of the fire pit, and you now see that there's a large stack of logs about four feet high. You recognize it as a funeral pyre. There's someone lying on top of it, with their arms crossed over their chest. What? You step over and look. Yeah. It's Misk. What? Her eyes are closed. Her skin is cold to the touch. Fang places a hand on your shoulder. Pretty soon, Kyog, you're going to have a choice to make. You'll have to choose whether to continue on the same path. Striving for your own goals, for your own glory, or to pursue something greater. Perhaps one without all the fame and the praise that you desire. What will you do, Georg? Fang blinks, and then his eyes glow with a silver light. And then the hard dirt beneath your feet begins to churn like quicksand. You grasp for Fang, and he disappears in a mist of silvery clouds. You grab for a handhold on something solid, but everything melts around you, pulling you into the earth, into a silvery darkness. Wow. Well.
Misk, you awake in your room from sleep, and there's a bright light shining in around your doorway. I mean very bright. It wakes you up. You can hear a sound coming from outside the door, but you don't really know what it is. Hmm. I get up and go toward the sound. You can hear something coming from the other side of the door. Do you open the door? I open the door with hesitation. Sure. You carefully open the door and glancing out with just a slit, you see that the suite is gone, as is Sylvandale. You're standing in the doorway, which opens up into a sunlit field of grass. Wow. A couple seconds later, a group of horses come running past the door. They're running freely around the field. You step out. I step out. You look around and you're in a sort of large pen, a couple acres wide. There's a comfortable breeze blowing. It's a sunny day. There's a large barn off to the right. And farther off behind it, you can see a very nice farmhouse standing. You see now that this field is enclosed with a large wooden fence leading right up to the barn. There's no one in sight but the horses. What do you do? I walk toward the barn. Okay. Maybe pet a few horses if they stop near me or yeah. try to. A couple of them come up to you like they're just super comfortable around you. I just kind of brush their mane back and mm-hmm. like pat them on the side. You make your way toward the barn and there's a little gate. You go inside. There's all the tools that you would need for grooming horses. There's a couple that are up in pens and things in there and stables. You walk by, probably pet them on the nose, look around, and it, it looks like this is a very often used barn. It, it seems like the sort of thing that you spent time thinking about one day building. Wow. You walk through the barn, you walk around, you step out the backside, and you see the nice, very nice farmhouse off to the right. You make your way over there? Yep. You head over there, you step up on the big wooden porch. And everything is just, I mean, it just seems picture perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. You step inside and you see this fancy little farm kitchen. Very quaint. Cast iron skillets hanging over a countertop, a basin for washing, an oven for cooking. Everything you would need there, you walk around, you see a nice little sitting area. You see lanterns hanging and comfy seats and there's steps leading upstairs. You go upstairs, there's a number of bedrooms Small, large. I mean, this is just a very nice and comfortable looking house. Anything that you could imagine yourself wanting in a home, you can see it here. There are some images hanging on the walls here and there, paintings and drawings, drawings that you've done of horses and and different things that you've seen on Manumi. Then there's a couple paintings of you, you and Saul. There's one of you, Kjorg, Saul, and Brackle. I just kind of rub my fingers across the painting. Like mm-hmm. a picture of us four. Sure. Just trying to figure out, I don't know. What's going on? Like kind of taking it all in, mm-hmm. but also touching that because, you know, is this a dream or, you know, that's what she's thinking. Right sure. Now. You pinch yourself. You don't wake up. You don't, you know, it feels very surreal. You assume it's a sort of dream, right? But it yeah. feels very real. Everything feels real. It's not that sort of weirdness where you're out, you're in a dream and you know you are and you can see yourself in the third person. No, it, you're looking through your eyes. It's very real. Wow. And as nice as this house is and as nice as this ranch or this farm is and the horses outside, you hear them neighing off in the distance. It's very serene. 
but it's also very quiet. And you notice that there's there's no one here. Wow. You step down the stairs again, looking back toward the kitchen, and you're startled to see there's someone standing there. Hello? He looks human, or at least he looks almost human. His ears are rounded at the tip, but his features are so defined that they're almost elvish, you know? Mm-hmm. He's wearing silver robes with royal blue threading, perfectly fitted to his figure, with a high collar that comes up and just brushes the bottom of his earlobes. His skin's very light and pale, but in an attractive way. His hair is bright white, and yet he appears to be young, possibly even in his late 20s. You recognize him as the same guy that was playing that piano and singing that song at the party, the master of Sylvandale. Hello. I hear uh, you're the master. Oh, well, that's, that's a pretty proper title. But I guess that's true. I guess I am the master of Sylvandale, by the which I mean I'm the owner. How are you, Miss? Well, right now I'm... Confused? Yeah, but I'm not unhappy about it. Yeah, I know. This is, um, this is exactly what you wanted, isn't it? Yeah, even the fence. Everything. Horses. The ranch, right? Yeah. Isn't that what you said to Saul on the way here? Wait, how did you know that? Ah, well, it's sort of my business to know. It's kind of what I do, Misk. I know, I know things. I know the truth of things. I know the things that no one wants me to know. The things that you don't want anyone to know. And I know that at least you believe that this is what you want. This ranch, this serenity, a quiet life, right? And you can have this, Misk. You can walk away from all this business, this ugly business, Branchire, Brianna, and of course, your past. Yeah. Which, let me warn you, is rushing to catch up with you. Are you talking about... I think you know exactly what I'm talking about, Misk. Mm. He stands and he walks towards you, his hands clasped in front of him. A question for you, Misk, is... What will you do? I don't know. Quite soon, you and your friends are going to be faced with some very difficult choices. You, possibly most of all. And those choices not only reflect the type of person that you are, it might very well decide the outcome of this quest that you've partaken. It might decide the fate of your friends, your brother, Kjorg, your friend, Brackle. What's going to happen? It's hard to say, but I can promise you this, Misk. If you choose yourself over your friends, be prepared to accept the consequences. Hmm. What will you do? Please, just give me a little bit more. What, what's going to happen? Uh, I'm afraid there's no time now here. Follow me just this way. He opens the door and he steps through and there's a bright white light shining through it. Come, Misk. Your friends are waiting. All right. I follow him. You follow him through the door, Misk. And as you do, you are enveloped in bright, blinding, silvery light. And... That's where we're going to end this week.
No! Are you serious? Thanks to everyone for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed this interesting episode. And we'll just have to tune in next week to see what exactly is about to happen with our four adventurers and this strange, mysterious figure in the Tower of Sylvandale. We love you. I don't know. We do love you. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.